Welcome to the I and Team Podcast with Brian Smith and Mary Smith. You are more important to your team than you might believe. Everybody has something to contribute, and most importantly, that's influence. Learn more on today's program. Now, here is Brian Smith and Mary Smith. Hey, it's Brian and Mary Smith, and we are here at Elevated Construction uh, today. It is Wednesday, July 3rd, and we're with Norman Hayes, and he's the president and founder of uh, Elevated Construction. And with me this week on a birthday week is Mary. Hey, guys. So we're here to talk about the influence that construction companies have, uh, not just on um, the workers, but on society uh, in general so what role we play how we build our infrastructure how we build buildings and how we make other people's goals and dreams actually come true by fulfilling businesses and places for people to live all the things that construction companies build uh, for our society so I'm, I'm glad to be here norm we've known each other for almost about three three and a half years That's about right so uh, thanks for having us thanks for coming in I really appreciate it so I think um, for me, you know, influence is really important. Um, that I think influence is our biggest responsibility. So, what prompted you to become influential in construction as a, as a profession? Well, I think that um, number one, I've been very blessed to be in construction because, <clears throat> excuse me, I went to school to be a history teacher and to be a wrestling coach, and I happened to take a construction class and fell in love with it. And so when I came out of school, I worked for four Fortune 500 companies, and so I hired general contractors. So one of the reasons I wanted to be a general contractor is because I knew what it was to experience a good general contractor and what it was to have a troublesome general contractor. So that's the reason we need to elevate it, because we want to bring an elevated level of service to our clients. That's really cool. So does your company focus on residential or commercial or both? We focus solely on commercial. Um, just more want to build what's on the plans and not have to really uh, work with the, the husband and wife to develop the plans. Mm -hmm. Rather go in, build what the plans say, make a satisfied customer and move on. So what challenges, <clears throat> did you learn about challenges besides husband and wife not getting along on design that took you from say housing to commercial in your early career or is it just the path that you ended up having from the start. The, the funny thing is I went to a program that was um, at Illinois State University and I have a bachelor's and a master's in construction management, but it was really residential based. And when I got out, I went to work for Baxter, Caremark, Health South, and Nash Finch, which was a grocer. So all that is commercial. So really, as soon as I got into projects, I was building office spaces, building medical buildings, grocery stores, retail. So I really never went into the uh, residential piece except for when a client would ask me to do a favor and remodel their kitchen and after those experiences I decided there's people better suited for that and I more wanted to stick with what I was really good at. So is that a career path that young people can choose in college? Can they choose a residential or commercial path or is it primarily focused that way just that's just the way they do it? I think that uh, programs have really changed over the years. Now, um, for example, Purdue, even Illinois State University, uh, Marquette have a bunch of good programs that really do focus on the commercial end of it. Um, 
and that you can go either way because construction is construction you're still building things there's still processes to follow um, but in general a lot of those programs are geared towards either the residential or the or the commercial but more more focused on commercial today okay so speaking of college people and hiring so you have had an amazing growth path at Elevated. I mean, you brought a lot of experience to it, so that doesn't surprise me. It's got a great foundation, but mm. how have you tackled the challenges uh, with the, the shallow labor pool, the difficulties in getting uh, subs, and the people that support your construction projects? How are you tackling that today? You know, to be blunt with you, I think that it's, it's nice to do an interview like this and you can you can make it look all pretty and, and clean, but the reality of it is trial and error. And the first couple of years, I did make some bad choices and hires. Um, since then, I've really learned that to me, the best way is to network and to go out and look for people in similar companies that are successful and try to connect to them through LinkedIn or another methodology through social media or just through networking and get people that come with sort of a warm introduction and you know something about them. Um, that's helped out a lot um, in terms of what we're looking for because our culture is a little different than most cultures and so it's tough for someone to come in off the street and if they had a job with a larger corporation we expect a lot more in them to wear a lot more hats so mm -hmm. it's difficult to come in if you're just working for a larger corporation doing one function. So, how would you describe your culture as being different? Like, as a, like, is it just because they have to have so many more roles because you're smaller? Or is there something else that you notice as well? That's a really good question because one of the things we really pride ourselves on is there's a book called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and it has to do with the fact that when you're given a role, you need to take that role and you need to take it through the nth degree. So we have a lot of accountability in our culture and we also have a lot of teamwork where if you're, let, you're not doing your job, you're letting the next person down. So we really focus on what your role is, what you need to do within that role in order to make your teammates successful. Very good. So you lead... Uh would you say you're a top-down leader? Do you think you're a commingled leader? Will you empower? Um, uh, are you, you tend to lean more towards, I'm not going to say micromanagement because I don't believe that you're that way, mm -hmm. but do you like to know a lot more about your company than some people do? Where do you find yourself as a leader? I find myself learning over the last couple of years about that. And when I first got involved and first started up, I was more of a micromanager. Now I find with the growth, you can't be. And I find that I am the biggest bottleneck at times. And sometimes I need to back off and let people take their responsibility and let them fail occasionally or have some challenges so I can help use it as a teaching moment. Um, but I'd say I'm more, I lead by example. I work extremely hard. I'm very passionate about my work. So as I say, I've never worked a day of my life because I don't go to work, I go to play. I love what I do. So I lead by example, but at the same time, I'm also in the trenches as need be. And I'm, if somebody's coming to a job site, I'm happy to sweep a floor, whatever it takes, but I always want to show people what they're capable of and really a lot of training involved so that everybody knows their role accordingly. So I'm going to pivot a little bit on how the industry has changed over the last even, let's just say, five to seven years. Uh, we came through a really tough time in the construction industry in 08, 09. 
um, a lot of companies just went away, yep. right? The big companies seem to consolidate a little bit, you know, the Hensel Phelps, the Mortensons, mm -hmm. the Turners. They've consolidated and they've started growth again. What has that done for smaller companies like Elevated? What is, it, what is the market like now compared to back then? I think before 08, 09, when all that happened, there was so much work, people took it for granted. And so they'd, they'd go after and maybe go outside of their comfort zone and go into projects where a lot of the, a lot of those companies you mentioned and some of these companies slightly smaller than that, they would take on ground up only, so a certain dollar volume and above. And then when that hit, they found that a lot of them kept their top management because they can run projects and they're juniors and all the middle management got wiped out. Um, and what I'm trying to really do with Elevated is to keep to our core principles, which are interior build-outs, renovations, and some ground up, but not get away from, I want to build dollar stores, I want to build auto parts, um, grocery, medical, things that no matter what the economy happens, what happens with the economy, that that'll still be there, but then have a certain amount of the volume where it's work that's expansive and takes us to a place we haven't been before, but not be, Really, that really taught me a lesson in terms of a lot of companies really got hit by heart by the mm -hmm. downturn, and I don't ever want to run into that. So you bring that up. That's an interesting point. It's business to consumer uh, properties that you mentioned. I mean, medical offices are business to consumer. Mm -hmm. The stores are business to consumer. And that's a big shift from... Uh, housing or business to business business to business can be cyclical right people mm -hmm. uh, uh, they rent business spaces and yep. you can go down any street in America right now and see lots of vacancy stills even as good as yep. this economy has been so do you pay attention to those industries um, or do you rely on mostly what's just in the bid uh, channel that comes in for you no, what, what we really try to do is get enterprise accounts, and we try to service our clients like no other in terms of we use Procore so that clients can see our projects 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter where they are, as long as they have an internet connection. Um, we have a five-day guaranteed punch list so that at five days after the project's done, every day thereafter, I pay $250 a day to that client because I, I don't believe... I've been in that position. That's one of the things that I think is the advantage of having worked for corporate America and hiring general contractors, and they're not coming back for the punch list. So one of the things I try to do is look at the market and focus on what we call enterprise accounts. And it's people that no matter what's happening in the economy, they're typically rolling out some stores and continuing. They're not going to stop their rollouts. And that way, we're watching what's happening with the economy to make sure that we keep those clients. And then we also go after the things that are sprouting up because the economy is so strong. Good, you mentioned Procore. So um, that's something that we didn't have in the past was an integrated project management system that allows us to communicate and bring a customer experience mm -hmm. to our clients, actually bring them into our projects yeah. and have them share in that data management and almost with, with photos and video and social management. I know you have a social team. Yep. That we now have opportunities to have management systems that immerse and change the customer experience. What do you see from the customer side um, when you integrated Procore at Elevated? Mm -hmm. What was the feedback from your customers? Uh, very, very positive. Matter of fact, um, We've really taken it to a whole new level and we're working with Procore and doing some beta testing for them for new products they have coming out and different programs we're writing within Procore. And 
we met, for example, working with a company called Shadowbox, and they're a boxing gym, and they're out in New York. And so we gave the CEO access, and we were on a conference call, and he goes, hey, I was looking at Procore, and you guys are done with the installation, when are you going to start the drywall? And the COO said, what do you mean Procore? I don't have Procore. Within four days, five people from the company had contacted us and said, we want to be on Procore. And we're able to send submittals, RFIs, um, even a lot of times we're doing change orders and everything else through there. They like it because if they're in an airport and we use DocuSign, so there's 82 or 92 applications that tie into Procore. It ties into our QuickBooks. We can do ERP and push and pull. So it makes it more efficient for us. And the clients really like it because it makes the project more efficient and it makes it more interactive for them. Right, right. So everybody know, well, you know I'm a, a Procore advocate. Yep, yep. We have Procore ourselves in one of our companies. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Procore clients. So, and I think Procore is influencing the construction industry to the point where it's almost going to be as much of a requirement as safety. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a comprehensive project management system that interacts with the customer in the future, mm -hmm. that you may not get the job. Yep. If you can't check off that box, just like you have to check off that box that you have a safety program mm -hmm. and you have good policies and procedures and good insurance, that you're not going to get these jobs any longer because customers' expectations, the bar has been raised so high. Do you think that's, that's I think that's accurate? absolutely accurate. Uh, matter of fact, we're working with a couple of companies, Urban Space, that does food halls out of New York, and they're doing a project in the Willis Tower expansion. And there was four general contractors at the walkthrough, and they said, do you guys have Procore? All four had Procore, and they said that's important because we require it. And then um, Pacific Dental, we're doing work with them as well, and they're out of California. And they send out, they actually have Procore, and they utilize it. They send out all their bids, track all their stuff, and then they require the general contractors to use it so that it's, you know, everybody involved in the project, from the owner sending out the plans to us providing them information. It's, it's integrating. Right. Well, I feel like in a social world, too, it's really important to remain transparent, especially you're working with people from New York, California, and I'm sure you have people all over the United States. Mm -hmm. Do you have places anywhere, like, outside the United States, too? We actually work with a German company out of, uh, they have offices in Lake Forest, Canada, then they have a, their main, um, they're, they're called Hantman, and they have 6,000 employees from one town in Germany. So they're a very, oh, wow. very big international <laughs> company. And they make uh, meatpacking meat machines as well as car parts, and they're all metallurgy. Mm -hmm. And they actually use Procore in Germany to watch their project in Lake Forest. Nice. So it's, it's an international thing where it can, you know, they, can, they, they often comment to the president of the American Hammond about what's going on with the project. So it's definitely awesome. a solid tool. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm going to take another pivot on us. Okay. I'm going to go to, we were having a discussion before we started about union and non-union. Okay. Our Mary brought up on the way here how she wants to talk about a rat because Mary... Mary, well, for the summer. first time, <laughs> for the first time, as you drove to our offices, they're building a new Greek church, mm -hmm. and it was ratted every day. Oh, really? Right? And Mary noticed it, and it kind of upset her. You and I actually are on two sides of the union equation. Mm -hmm. um, I find myself on the union side, and you're on the on the non-union side when it comes to the construction companies that I primarily influence yep. directly. So, do you first of all, it's I'm going to hit, you know, the elephant in the room. Yeah. How do you feel about the union, non-union uh, culture that we have to deal with here, especially in Illinois? Well, you know, it, it is a challenge. Um, however, I think there's 
really good union subcontractors and general contractors and really good non-union. So I think it's a matter of, for certain areas, it makes more sense, downtown city of Chicago, um, areas where it's required. Um, but I think sometimes the picketing and sending people out to your job site, when, matter of fact, most of our non-union subcontractors were union to begin their career. And they decided, you know what, I can go out and do this on my own. I won't have to pay the union dues. I can pay my guys a fair wage, give them insurance, et cetera, et cetera, and do so for less cost than having all the union overhead um, within the organization itself. So for me, you know, we do union-only jobs when required, so we are able to do union uh, projects, but primarily we do open shop. So mm -hmm. we'll bid union and non-union. And we tell them up front there's open shop because a lot of times union guys don't want to bid against the non-union guys because they don't feel they can be competitive. So it's one of those things of it's it's a fact of the business. I don't I don't have negative feelings one side or the other. It's just a matter of in order for us to be competitive in the market we're in, like you said about you're primarily union, mm -hmm. we're primarily non-union, and that's the way we can bring the value to our clients. So have you been reddit before? Quite a few, quite a few <laughs> times, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I uh, I actually like it because it shows that we're bringing value, and when they show up, and I have a guy who's on the job, doing a good job, paying his guys good wages, his guys are happy. We just walk by and wave at as we're walking in, and they can only stay on the perimeter of the project; they can't come within the project. So, it, sometimes we've had problems where a client will require us to switch them out because they don't want the bad publicity. And that's unfortunate because then it ends up costing them more. But we go into our project saying we're hiring nine union guys, so if for any reason you need to switch it out, it can't be an expense to us. Mm -hmm. But right. we have experienced it quite a bit. So I notice there's uh, there's an opportunity there for there to be influence in that there's a union person being paid to sit there and picket uh, people that are working. Mm -hmm. So which is a good thing, right? The mm -hmm. people that are working. Yeah. Um, and that the influence is they can see oftentimes how well that these people, the environment that they're in, how they show up and get ready for work, how safe they are, mm -hmm. you know, what kind of quality they have, specifically at the Greek church. You know, as we drove by every day on our way to our office, you know, it's a very good company that's building that church. And mm -hmm. their people look, uh, it's always the same people. You didn't see a lot of turnover. Yeah. You know, after you go by weeks, two weeks, three weeks at a time. So I think there's an opportunity. You know, it's, I, I don't like jumping this way, but anytime you start to segregate, mm -hmm. it's a bad thing. Yeah. You know, I think it's a choice. And um, look, if you want to be union and you feel secure in the things that the union bring you and the union companies can continue to bring value, mm -hmm. then be union. Yep. And at the same time, if you're not a union company and you continue to bring the good things to people and they find value, then be a non-union company. And, and, and stick with the influence that you have, right? Yep. You know, my saying is know your influence and then go with it. Yep. So very good. Um, Safety, is it an issue for you guys? No, we're, uh, we, have, we have a big focus on safety. And a matter of fact, Procore mm -hmm. has a safety program where you can get Procore certified. So we do that just out of the fact that we can have another level of safety. But we have a safety program. Um, we have a safety director and make sure all our guys are, have their PPE for sort of protective wear on the job sites at all times. So I was at Groundbreak a few years ago, maybe two, three years ago, and they had a really interesting safety program, and it was called Safety Third. 
And oh. what was interesting about it is, is uh, the point was, is who really, the difference between the third thought and the first thought, if your employees are first and your customers are second, or your customers are first and your employees are second and safety's third, mm-hmm. What are you going to miss? So, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, when you are really focused on those three things in a construction environment, everything's taken care of: customer, employee, and safety. Yep. And um, I know from working with you that you can mix those up anyway. If you've got a customer on the phone, it's customer first. Mm-hmm. If you've got an employee in front of you, it's employee first. Mm-hmm. And when you're thinking about jobs and thinking about setting up safety, the first thing you're thinking about is how do I make it a safe environment for my customer and my employee? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, as a matter of fact, we just had, as we're speaking, we're lifting a 10-ton unit on top of a rooftop in a, in a facility that the rooftop went out on Friday. So they said they didn't want to go through the holiday weekend without it. So we have the crane lifting overhead of a facility that's full. So we're vacating that area while they're setting, the, setting that unit. We're making sure our employees aren't there, our clients and customers aren't there, and making sure the safety is, is done correctly. So that's something we always, and I always say, quite frankly, that our mission is to elevate the lives of our employees, our clients, and the community. And the reason I say our employees first is if we don't have good employees, then we're not gonna bring that value to the client. Right. So even though you know, people always say client first, client first, I really think it comes down to, of course, the clients first, mm-hmm. but the employees need to feel special, need to feel valued, and need to have opportunities. Then they're going to bring the better value to the client. Yeah, client first through say through employee first. Yeah, you treat your employees well, your clients are going to get taken care exactly. of, and that does work. I know I see it day in and day out. Yeah. Well, I also kind of hope, kind of on that note too, I hope that like mm-hmm. clients they're taken care of as employees. So I hope that even if like they're not put like first. Mm-hmm there's still an understanding that like we put our employees first because their company also puts them first that's always my hope i don't know i I know it doesn't always work that way but it's an interesting discussion i'm going to bring up just last night on social media and i our company is heavy on social media this goes out Mm -hmm. you know via social media i know elevated has a really good social media presence yep so um but last night there was a discussion about is it okay to yell at a customer and I actually jumped into the conversation and I wrote, no, but I have fired. Actually, the number one reason that I have terminated a client relationship mm-hmm. was mistreatment of one of our team members. Agreed. I will terminate an, a, a contract with a client if they mistreat anybody. By the way, if they're mistreating their own employees and they won't alter that and change that, um, through some kind of process, we will terminate them. So, yep. you know, people come first. Uh, our our mm-hmm. motto at IA is people, process, and technology. People are your foundation. So, yep. and, you know, influence, it's a people thing. Yeah, I agree so. with you 100% in the fact that you, there's no reason to yell at a client because you don't want to be yelled at. Right. So, if you know, do it to others as you want to be done to yourself. Mm-hmm. But to the same point, if they mistreat your employees and you don't do anything about it, what does that show your employee? Exactly. They start losing respect for you. You start losing credibility. They start thinking to themselves, do they really care about me? And mm-hmm. so to your point, you always need to be ready to fire a client if necessary. Try to work through it as best you can, but if the behavior doesn't stop. Right, right. Yeah. Well, good. Well, Norm, um, it has been absolutely a pleasure to spend July 3rd with you. Uh, no, thank congratulations you. on getting married. 
I don't know if they want that out that's there, but fine. yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Norman just got married, one. so I think yep. that's awesome. So, but we really appreciate it. We hope that we help bring some influence to people that are interested in construction, mm -hmm. that maybe are thinking about getting into it, hiring a construction company. Yep. You know, the construction companies today, the influence we have is different. Mm -hmm. We're not just ditch diggers or nail hitters. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot more that goes into what we do. The trades are important. Mm -hmm. The work that we do. Uh, as a tradesperson is really important. The person that's out there building the building is just as important as the guy in the office 100%. managing that project. And I think people need to realize that, that stop generalizing and stop stereotyping different industries and different people because of the job they, they've chosen. Everybody has a purpose, everybody has influence. It's kind of like a family here. Mm -hmm. um, we're, you're not just, um, I work for some larger companies where you're just someone that's, you know, in a cubicle on the second floor and, you know, the owner doesn't know your name. Right. So this is a much smaller company, obviously, but it's more of a personal feeling and you feel more appreciated for, you know, the long hours and the hard work that you put in. Um, previous companies I've worked for, developers and remodeling companies, always seem to have a lot of uh, in-house drama going on. Um, and it's total opposite here. Everybody's a team player. Everybody wants to do a good job. Everybody lends a helping hand where they need it to. It's nice to meet you. Nice do you to like? Meet you. Do you like elevated? Oh, I love it. Good. It's a, it feels like family here. Good. And I always like coming into work. Do you do any research? I mean, well, you said you labored. So have you ever been out and, and been on a job site? Yeah, I, was, I actually worked with them. Did you? Yeah. So you so you do have some hands-on experience. Oh. You know what it's like to be out there and hot, sweaty. Yeah, which right. is actually really nice because like the whole social media thing is like. We're not stuck in this office the entire day. It's like some days we'll have to go to a different job sites in Indiana or in Chicago and we have to work there. So keeps us busy, that's for sure. The flow of communication has always been transparent. Even uh, when I want to talk to someone, I go to their offices. If someone wants to talk to me, they come here, try not to disturb my privacy or anything. Right. Everybody's communicative about what their schedule is like. And uh, so yeah, uh, there is easy flow of communication I would say. I agree. So, And I, I appreciate you bringing that up. And I actually have goosebumps because when I was a laborer in college, I worked and we're shoveling concrete. And the guy says, ah, oh, here comes the suits. And I say, the suits? What do you mean? He goes, the guys from the office, they won't even talk to us. They walk by, never said hi, never said anything. And I make sure every time I go on a job site, I talk to the laborers. I'm talking to the guy, the truck drivers delivering. Without every piece and component of that, your job doesn't get done. Right. So if I go out as a president and I sell 40 jobs and I'm, we're killing it on, on selling, but the jobs don't get done, you don't have any clients. Yeah. And so you, from the person that people consider at the bottom to the person they consider at the top, every piece of that is an important cog in the wheel. So I, I appreciate you yeah. honoring that. Um, thank you, because I do know that that's important to you, and it's one of the biggest reasons why I chose Elevated, to be part of the I and Team podcast, because I know that the individual and influence are very important to you. Well, if you don't mind me saying it, I'm gonna look at the camera and say that check out his podcast, read with the, with, uh, the book Brian's put out and the books he has coming out, and they just really, really care about the individual, want to influence people, and he's been a big influence on me and on Elevated Construction, and I just really appreciate you guys coming out and taking the time to talk to me today. Well, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very Please much. Please share with them if you'd like, appreciate right before it. we go, uh, how they can get in touch with you. 
Um, we'll, we'll put all our social media up, up where we're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. You can check out our website, but we'll post all that on the podcast as well. Yep, and we'll share it uh, on all our pages. And remember to subscribe. Uh, you can get the book at Amazon, Individual Advantages, find the IN Team, the IN Team Series, and the IN Team Podcast. We will see you next week. Have a great 4th of July. Bye. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the I in Team Podcast. We hope we've positively influenced you and you've picked something up from the show that you can use in building and influencing other individuals or your team. Please join us soon for another program on the Voice America Business Channel.